It was a bright day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. Hmm? Does anyone know where that line came from? If you're not familiar with it, do you know what it might mean? We'll get into this and much more after I welcome you to the 19th edition of Navigating the Energies of Life, a podcast that looks at how the energies of the Maya calendar are at work in the world and how they apply to daily lives. This is Marguerite Paquin, continuing with this podcast to accompany my horoscope blog that tracks the days of this calendar. For anyone newly joining us, we're working here with a calendrical system that has at its core 20 solar-based energies that work in tandem with 13 unique numerical powers to create a cycle of 260 days that involves the interconnecting and cycling of those 20 solar forces with the 13 numbers to create a count of days referred to in Yucatec Maya as a Zulcan. Each of the 260 days in the cycle is unique. Each one ties in with events not only going on in the world, but also in people's individual lives, as every person carries the energetic imprint and characteristics of the forces that were in play at the time of their birth. The influence of those energies on world events and people's lives is the focus of both the blog and this podcast. This is done by tracking the Tresinas, the 13-day periods that cycle within this system, with each one having a different emphasis or theme. We're now working with the energies of the Kib Tresina which began on Wednesday, November 25th, the day before the 2020 U.S. Thanksgiving. So, back to that line again. It was a bright day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. If you guessed that it was the opening line from George Orwell's dystopian novel, 1984, you were correct. And the clocks were striking 13? That's where one has to pause, because before the novel even gets going, we are given a little jolt to tell us that we are entering a zone here where things are not quite right, not as expected, where things are out of kilter. And it isn't just the clock, but clocks. At this point, the next question might be, what does this have to do with this Dracina? The short answer is that George Orwell, the novelist, was born under the influence of this Tresina on the 13th day, 13 Lamat, which, in essence, is about transformation, 13, in conjunction with the heralding energy of Lamat, which is a kind of heads-up 
signaler type of energy relating to things to come. The novel was written in 1944, 40 years before the 1984 date of the title, and long, long before 2020, or should I say 2016. And yet, much, way too much of what he was writing about in that terrifying novel has been in play during the past four years. The book is all about totalitarianism, with emphasis on ways in which those in power could work to program people to gain power over their minds, and not only discourage but punish free thinking, thereby draining the life and soul out of people, robbing them of everything, everything that makes life worth living. It's not a book you would necessarily want to read in 2020 with everything else going on, but this then fictional book makes the point that if human beings can be broken down completely, they'll believe whatever you tell them, even if it's the idea that 2 plus 2 equals 5. And given what's been going on over the past four years, maybe it's time to look at all that. Orwell makes the point that a government might go to incredible lengths in order to brainwash people successfully. And of course, in the early 1940s, he was writing from the perspective of having seen what Nazism looked and felt like. The influence of Orwell's 13 Lamont energy can be seen clearly in his writing of this now classic book, which has been translated into more than 65 languages, with millions of copies having been sold worldwide. He most assuredly was being a herald through this work. But we can also see the influence of the Tresina at work in this regard, as this is a time frame that often pushes people to the point where they are required to think differently, where they have no choice but to stop and consciously assess whatever it is that's happening, and then start working towards solutions, which often involves taking very practical steps in order to come up with ways to ameliorate whatever the immediate issues might happen to be. Sometimes this even involves taking great leaps towards establishing new ways of being. An example associated with this Tresina was um, one major event that, that really, really pushed people in a spectacular way. This is the great San Francisco earthquake in 1906 that killed over 3,000 people. It left over 250,000 people homeless and destroyed over 80% of the city, over 500 square blocks. It was horrific, and it instantaneously changed huge numbers of lives. It all began at 5.12 a.m. 
on a one kib morning, just as one kib was coming into place. The energy just before that was 13 men, 13 eagle, which is quite an intensely transformative force. But the quake itself struck on a one kib morning. And with buildings tumbling, cracks opening up in the earth, and devastating fires breaking out everywhere, with all this destroying almost the entire city, people were required to instantaneously find ways to deal with the situation. That, of course, all of that was a huge story unto itself, But ultimately, ultimately, it all led to the building of a whole new infrastructure for the city, which eventually turned into a vast improvement over the haphazard foundations that had been there previously. To boot, as a result of that massive catastrophe, scientists learned a great deal about earthquakes and fault lines, and many other things related to natural disasters that are used for reference even today. In 2001, it was the destruction of the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center in New York City that shook the world. On 6 Imish, the sixth day of this time frame, That world-stopping, world-shifting event ultimately brought massive changes in terms of national and international security practices. Plane travel, for one, changed significantly. I used to travel to the U.S. a lot around that time, and the difference in regulations before and after what is now commonly referred to as 9-11 was striking. That horrific event on that six Imish day, with six Imish being a world-making type of energy situated near the middle of this Tresina, was an event that literally brought one world crashing down, requiring people to take immediate, practical, earth-oriented action. And it was an event that also tied in significantly with the twin idea or duality concept associated with the theme of this Tresina, which is often symbolized by the often torch-carrying canine deity known as Jalatal. There's an image of him in my blog. He's shown in that image wearing a conch shell pectoral around his neck, which relates to the fact that he is also a twin to sky-oriented Quetzalcoatl. This is where I really need a big chart to show you the permutations of these kinds of deity figures because a single idea can reveal itself in multiple forms. I'm actually putting together some online courses that I'll tell you about later where I'll be able to sort out some of these deeper levels for people. But I digress. At the moment, let's just get back to that twinning idea. 
what we have with regard to this, Justina, is an emphasis on duality, which can involve paired events or paired ideas struggling to maintain equilibrium or overcome obstacles. The canine deity that I just mentioned is reflective of a sun close to the earth or fire in the earth type of force, an energy that has been known to foment or create havoc for the purpose of transmutation, often as part of a push towards the birthing of a new type of order. This played out in a highly dramatic way on that 6 Imish day in September of 2001. That was one of the most vivid manifestations of this duality in action that I've ever seen, because there we had two tall towers and two planes that brought them down, fire in the earth playing out in horrific fashion. These were two of the worst disasters to ever happen in the history of the U.S., that 1906 earthquake and the 9-11 event. And both took place within six days of one another, albeit 95 years apart, but within this same Kib, Tresina. Again, the emphasis is often on transmutation. So there's often some kind of an event that draws people's attention so that some kind of new way of being or action can be created. Tied in with this is a symbol of the vulture aligned with the first day, Kib, and by extension, the Trisina as a whole, since within this system, the first day influences all 13 days. Yes, I know, this Jacina can be a bit tricky to unpack, but the general idea here is that the vulture is able to fly effortlessly above a situation that might look bad, able to fly over, survey the scene, and ultimately return to restore order. The vulture is often associated with the idea of purification, often seen as the ecological cleaner, the wind-borne purifier, the ultimate recycler. So the Kib Tresina can often present opportunities, even in the context of something that might look like a complete disaster. It was one cycle ago, one cycle today, in fact, which is to Caban, November 26th, with Caban being an evolutionary movement kind of force. So on to Caban, one cycle ago exactly, the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic over the coronavirus and called for governments to take immediate, urgent action. 
There were confirmed cases in several countries beyond China. But China had taken immediate, dramatic action in earlier weeks. When the virus was first discovered, and by mid-March, life there was beginning to return to normal. So there was good reason to believe that this whole thing could be nipped in the bud if, if action had been taken. Canada and several other countries did begin immediately taking lockdown measures, but ultimately it wasn't stringent enough and still isn't in too many places. In the U.S., in the meantime, the staller-in-chief in the White House, who had later become the super-spreader-in-chief, was telling state governors to deal with getting critical supplies themselves, despite the fact that there was a huge call for the federal government to organize a system for the widespread provision of critically needed supplies, including hospital beds, ventilators, and PPE. He even told reporter Bob Woodward that his first instinct was to play down the coronavirus. So there he was, dragging his feet, while much of the rest of the world sprang into action. Indeed, before this Tresina was over last March, Australia, New Zealand, France, and Italy had all announced nationwide shutdowns of all non-essential services. Schools closed down in the UK. Cities in India were put under curfew for assessment. And several states, such as Nevada and California, decided to just get on with it and began imposing mandatory restrictions. So that's what was going on all within this Kib Tresina, the last time it was in place. And if we stand back and look at it, we can see the dualities quite clearly. At that time, the world was presented with a clear house-on-fire emergency. There were significant choices to be made. Life and death choices. Life and death decisions. Those who took it seriously and got down to business immediately were able, basically able, to stamp out the fire. Australia's numbers are very low. New Zealand's numbers are minuscule. At that time, one cycle ago, China actually reported that they had no new local coronavirus infections. And at the same time, they were immediately ramping up their testing capabilities, which has helped significantly to keep their numbers low. As the result of this divergence in approach, the U.S. quickly rose to the top of the pile in terms of developing cases. With now over 13 million cases and over 265,000 people having lost their lives, it's all about choices. 
And now, amazingly, just as this Trisina returns, new opportunities are being presented for new forms of action. Immediately, immediately before this Trisina began, the White House finally, after more foot-dragging, finally gave the go-ahead for the transition process to begin to enable President-elect Joe Biden and his team access to the information needed that will enable them to move forward with a plan to deal with this once the new administration takes over. And on a wider scale, with second and third waves underway in many countries, including the U.S., every single person is being asked to step up to the plate and make a choice. Do you want to live or do you want to die? Do you want to infect your family, your friends, and your neighbors? Or do you want to protect them and yourself by taking precautionary measures? At this very moment, there is a big, big test underway. Thanksgiving in the U.S., with millions on the move, cramming themselves into airports and planes, which makes one wonder how things are going to look ten days from now as we get near the end of the Trisina. What will be the result of those choices? An even bigger fire in the earth? One that will continue to burn much longer than it should? We'll know very soon. What we are starting to see, thankfully, is significant progress being made with regard to vaccines. Not instant solutions, of course, but something that is in the works that will help many, particularly the overstressed healthcare workers who are putting their lives on the line on a daily basis. Something else that I should mention that also ties in with all of this goes back to 2010. But here we can see that kind of echo effect that I've spoken about before. It was a one keep day in March of 2010 when President Obama signed the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act into law. This is something that Republicans have been trying to tear down ever since, even in the midst of the pandemic. But I just thought I should point out that this Trisina was also in play at that key time in 2010. So that was a world-changing action that actually helped a great many people. This time, this Kib Trisina opened just after the G20 leaders pledged to mobilize resources and funds to support the research, development, manufacturing, and distribution of safe and effective diagnostics, therapeutics, and vaccines to tackle the pandemic, saying that they will spare no effort to ensure they're affordable and 
equitable access for all people. And while the other world leaders were discussing this and making plans to tackle the pandemic globally, where was the super spreader in chief? Off playing golf. Of course he was. I should point out one other striking example of that echoing effect from day sign to a day sign's return that I've mentioned before. It's that idea of a topic often being revisited when a calendrical energy returns, when the same energy comes back one or more cycles later. This could be seen on yesterday's one keeb when the dumpster pardoned Michael Flynn, his former short-term national security advisor. Flynn had twice pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI. He had also lied to others about conversations that he'd had with a Russian ambassador in 2016 and had been involved in those lock-her-up chants at the Republican National Convention in 2016. Court cases regarding all this had been going on for a while, including on one Keeb two cycles ago in 2019, when he was in court again attempting to get yet another delay in prosecution. And it was granted at that time. So from there, one Keeb in 2019 fast forward exactly two cycles to one keeb in late 2020 which was yesterday and suddenly he's given a full presidential pardon yet another example of how often a sequence of events or theme will hop skip or jump from one cycle to the next under exactly the same energy influence. This is not at all uncommon when working with this calendar. I also mentioned in the blog that it was the first day of this Tristina, one keep in 2018, that's three cycles ago, when the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released a report produced by 90 scientists from around the world that emphasized that an unprecedented political commitment is needed to slash the use of coal, oil, and natural gas and to rapidly deploy technology that can remove carbon dioxide from the air. The report came with a warning that this is the final call, the most extensive warning yet on the risks of global warming and the need to limit Earth's warming to no more than 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. They emphasized that to do so will require rapid, far-reaching, and unprecedented changes in all aspects of society.
Note that one Kib imperative again. They said at that time that unless this is adhered to, the consequences would be dire. Unprecedented rains and storms, the melting of the Arctic ice, which reflects heat back into space, otherwise it heats the dark seawater, which adds to further warming, the possibility that entire low-lying nations would have to move, they pointed out that many ecosystems would become more vulnerable. Some even referred to this as an obituary for the Earth and cautioned that we will have until 2030 to mobilize a complete conversion from fossil fuels to green energy or we risk dangerously destabilizing Earth's climate. So the need to get the evil clown brigade out of the White House, ASAP, cannot be overstated. John Kerry, who President-elect Biden has chosen as his climate czar, will have his work cut out for him. Okay, moving along. As usual, the various days in this Tresina are outlined, as always, in my Maya Count of Days horoscope blog at whitepoppress.ca, which can also be accessed through mayacalendararts.com. I'm not going to go through each of these in the podcast, but I will point out a few things. First, I was speaking a few minutes ago about six imish, an energy that returns on November 30th and marks 27 Zulkan cycles exactly since the terrorist attack on the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center. This is a world-making kind of energy that can bring chaos with it because anything is possible under this influence. But it is often new world-oriented, pushing towards the remaking of something. At this point, it has been three cycles exactly since the start of the migrant caravans from Honduras that saw thousands of people walk for weeks in their effort to reach the Mexican and then the U.S. borders trying to escape the horrors going on in many parts of Central America. And then they had to deal with the consequences of trying to enter the U.S. during the dumpster Zero Tolerance Administration. Another mess the new administration will have to sort out. So we will have six imish coming in on November 30th, and coinciding with the full moon, which is the full beaver moon, as well as a lunar eclipse at the official ending of the devastating 2020 Atlantic hurricane season. Let's hope that Mother Nature goes along with that. Two days after that, we have 8 Akbal on December 2nd. This is a a resurrection type of energy, which is number eight, associated with 
darkness and deep mysteries, Akbal, providing another opportunity to look at something that may have slipped somewhat from view. At this time, this coincides with the UN's International Day for the Abolition of Slavery, which, according to the UN's website, is still a major worldwide issue, with over 40 million people worldwide still existing in one form of slavery or another. They note that while modern slavery is not defined in law, it is used as an umbrella term covering practices such as forced labor, debt bondage, forced marriage, and human trafficking. In essence, any situation of exploitation where a person cannot refuse or leave because of threats, violence, coercion, deception, and or abuse of power. In addition, they point out that more than 150 million children are subject to child labor, accounting for almost 1 in 10 children around the world. The International Labour Organization has some additional statistics on this that reveals, for example, how women and children are disproportionately affected by forced labour. Clearly another huge area where a great deal of work needs to be done. As noted in the blog, this 8 ball energy marks exactly one cycle since Dr. Michael Osterholm of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy Director and author of Deadliest Enemy said last March that that was the first day of a coronavirus winter. He warned then that this could last for months but it's now looking like even he was underestimating the duration at that time. On that day, last March, Nevada's governor ordered all non-essential businesses in that state to close for 30 days, including all 440 casinos and gaming operations. Akbal translates as both darkness and house, so that certainly applied in Nevada as all of that shut down. December 4th brings us to another burner day. This one is Ten Chikchan. I've mentioned burner days before and the fact that they divide the 260-day Zulkan cycle into various segments, each of which has its own special flavor, and the fact that they are kind of a booster energy, booster energies within the overall cycle. This current burner sequence is oriented around four particular Chikchan days, with Chikchan being associated with life force, liberation, and higher consciousness. 
Ten Chikchan, one of these burner days, which comes in near the end of this Trisina, can be quite intense. And here again, there is another emphasis on dualities. At this point, there is a delicate balancing going on between the basically absolute foundations energy of tan associated with death or return to source and life, the life force energy of Chikchan. So the choices made at this time can be highly consequential. Last time, last March, this was the energy in place when the dumpster told Bob Woodward that his instinct was to lay down the virus. Not a good choice. Highly, highly consequential. The results of that choice have played out horrifically over the past 260 days. Moving to the final day of this Tresino, we come to 13 Lamad, which I discussed briefly as it played out in the work of the novelist George Orwell. Again, this energy, in essence, is about transformation. 13. In conjunction with the heralding energy of Lamat, a kind of heads-up, signaler type of energy relating to things to come. Orwell gave us a fictional glimpse of the horrors that could manifest through totalitarianism, and too much of what he wrote about in this regard, way back in the early 1940s, has worked its ugly way through the last four years, culminating in one full cycle of a global pandemic. So now there is no socializing, no going out to concerts or museums or theaters, no going out to restaurants, no in-person shopping, no touching, no hugs, no dancing, no gathering together in any way to share stories or ideas or thoughts or feelings. Wait, isn't that almost exactly what Orwell was writing about in 1984? That novel that sold so many million copies? What? How did that happen? How did that happen? Maybe it's time we all read another book and dreamed a different dream. Something with a happier, healthier theme. Something that can lift our thoughts up instead of dragging them down. Not Long ago, more than 80 million people in the U.S. stood up and said, No, that's not the way we want to think. That's not the way we want to be. That's not the way we want to live. We want to breathe. We want to think for ourselves. We want to celebrate life. We want to honor truth and integrity and competency and decency. We want to look 
towards and bring in the light. We choose light, not darkness. In keeping with the duality or twinning associated with this time frame, I want to give you one more example of the work of someone born under the influence of 13 Lamat, someone greatly aligned with this lighter side, literally. This is the artist James Terrell, who has developed a prolific body of work oriented around space, light, architecture, and land art. In the 1970s, he began a series of sky spaces, which were enclosed spaces open to the sky through an aperture in the roof. Inside a sky space room, some oh, dozen to 15 people could sit on benches along the edge and view the sky through the opening in the roof, giving them a deliberate, focused view. This evolved into a whole series of sky rooms in museums, as well as in private spaces throughout the world. One writer described these kinds of spaces as celestial viewing rooms designed to create the rather magical illusion that the sky is within reach, stretched like a canvas across an opening in the ceiling. There's apparently a museum in Argentina that highlights art pieces representing five decades of Tyrell's career that are exhibited like a time tunnel in a progression of nine rooms within an 18,000 square foot space. The experience concludes with a remarkable sky space in the inner courtyard where visitors get to experience amazing views of the Andean sky at dawn and sunset. He's also worked for decades on the Roden Crater project located in a remote location in the painted desert region of northern Arizona. Here he's transforming a volcanic cinder dome into a series of engineered spaces where the cycles of geologic and celestial time can be directly experienced. Tunnels and apertures will open onto pristine skies, capturing light directly from the sun in daylight hours and the planets and stars at night, a controlled environment for the contemplation of light. It's being designed to link the physical and the ephemeral, the objective with the subjective, to pro provide a transformative sensory experience. It will be a stunning achievement. So this is an artist born on 13 Lamat, who works directly with light and space in order to create artworks that can help to expand human perception. Jarrell is also a pilot who sees the sky as his studio and canvas. New Yorker critic Calvin Tompkins wrote that 
His work is not about light or a record of light. It is light. The physical presence of light made manifest in sensory form. James has written that his work has no object, no image, and no focus. He asks, with no object, no image, and no focus, what are you looking at? You are looking at you, looking. What is important to me is to create an experience of wordless thought. So much of this is representative of that particular day, 13 Lamat within this particular Tresina. The intentional promotion of thought, the transformational aspect at the end of this Tresina, the connection to the Quetzalcoatl part of the Earth-Sky twins, the patron energies associated with this time frame, Terrell's work is oriented towards light and the sky without losing sight of the earth-related element which connects the earth to the sky. Quite remarkable. So I've given you two examples of very creative people both born under the same day sign influence. One who has become world-famous for imagining an extremely dark, lifeless, soulless world run by tyrannical forces, and the other who has become world famous for working with light and space and for providing ways and means to help people to experience the lightness and wonder of the wider realms. So it's all about choices. Every person on this planet is born under the influence of whatever the energy was at the time of their birth, but it's up to them to work out how to use it. One of the things we have to be careful of when using the Maya calendar is not to get stuck in any one thought form. The symbolism used may seem simplistic, perhaps, at first glance. Twenty days interconnected with thirteen numbers, with each of those having representative symbols. But it isn't quite that easy, as there is a great deal going on inside each one of these. Many variations of each theme, so to speak, as they manifest in the world at large. There is further information on my Maya Calendar Arts website, and as briefly mentioned earlier, I will soon be offering some courses for anyone who might want to do some deeper diving. More about that later. In the meantime, I still offer personalized coaching and special artworks that can provide visual references related to the nature of specific calendrical energies. For anyone interested in such things, feel free to contact me if you have any questions. Contact information is in the websites as well as information on subscribing to the Horoscope blog.
Let's finish up with another thought or two from James Tyrrell. He said, Light is not so much something that reveals as it is itself the revelation. Light is a powerful substance. He calls it an elixir that connects the immaterial with the material, that connects the cosmic to the everyday existence that we live in. In his work at the Roden Crater, he's designing a space where strong connections can be made between the earthly realm and the sun, moon, and stars a place to lift thoughts and expand perceptions. Something that we all need to do as we work to free ourselves from the darkness that has had a grip on this planet and people's minds for much too long. Let's be grateful that we have the ability to release ourselves from this grip and that there are folks out there like James who can remind us of that potential. Until next time, be well, keep safe. Love to you all.